Podcast live here at Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue. Give yourselves a round of applause, guys. We're here talking some Wisconsin Badgers. Big win in Iowa City, 28-17 over the Iowa Hawkeyes under the lights of Kinnick Stadium. We were there detailing it all on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, analysis and more we got a lot more coming up for bye week it is wisconsin badgers are on a bye week but what we'll do we'll play some post-game interviews from aj taylor who received that go-ahead game-winning touchdown reception uh, from alex hornybrook you'll hear from alex hornybrook as well talking about the play and the message going into that drive 88 yards 10 plays and almost five minutes off the clock on that drive with 57 seconds left in the end zone, beating the coverage from Nick Neiman, the Iowa linebacker, on that mismatch there. We also have Alec Ingold, too. That uh, We spoke with Alec Ingold, the fullback. Wisconsin is known as Fullback City, and so we'll break down, essentially, just uh, with him talking about the jumbo package that Wisconsin utilized, talk about his play, the reception, his run, his what he calls a fullback reverse. We'll play that towards the end of the show. But, uh, guys, follow us on Twitter at JCocoB5Q. Follow us at Bucky's Fifth Quarter at B5Q. And then, uh, of course, follow us uh, on Instagram. We got that going on. We got some great game pictures from Matt Fleming and whatnot. So uh, we'll talk about Iowa, recap that game, play those interviews. Also go into really just – what we've seen through the first third of the season, right? Wisconsin's three and one, an inexcusable loss at home to BYU. So the grading's obviously going to be lower, but we'll go through the good and the bad, the positives and negatives with the team heading into its bye week and then welcoming Nebraska under the lights, by the way, of Camp Randall Stadium, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 6th. And of course, Bucky's fifth quarter will be there uh, and hope to see you guys down there as well. So, Going into the game, Iowa, obviously a daunting matchup underneath the lights of Kinnick Stadium, as I mentioned. You saw last year, number three, Penn State, number four, no, number three, number four, Penn State last year, t- last play of the game, narrowly defeating Iowa back in the 2017 season. Wisconsin knew it had a rough challenge. You guys saw what happened also last year with Ohio State, then number three getting just bamboozled in a 55-24 lost to the Hawkeyes there in Iowa City back last season. And, and so that environment's always tough. A gorgeous stadium, by the way. Uh, first time I was at Kinnick uh, this past week, and the drive down was beautiful through scenic southwestern Wisconsin. Once you got to Iowa, eh. But, when, you know, that southwestern part of the state, if you guys get a chance to look through it, this rolling hills, stone, uh, big hills, loved it. And so at Kinnick... They prevailed 28-17. As I mentioned before, the big play of the game, Alex Honeybrook to A.J. Taylor, 17-yard touchdown with 57 seconds left in the game. And then on that ensuing drive thereafter, when Wisconsin was up by four, 
They force a third down, and T.J. Edwards comes up with an interception with the receiver not being able to hold on to the Nate Stanley pass. Then that led to a quick score about three plays later. Alec Ingold on a fullback reverse takes it 33 yards for a touchdown. The senior back, versatile, had a 33-yard reception too and took it home to the house, and they retained the Heartland Trophy third straight year and Wisconsin has not, you know, they've on the going back to Kinnick, they've won five straight contests against Iowa at Kinnick dating back to the 2010 season. Let's go through the good. I already talked about it before, Hornybrook to Taylor, but Hornybrook really 17 to 22 for 205 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions is the big thing. Is the big this was takeaways in a road environment, it's hostile. It's cliche, but Hornerbrook held on. He protected the ball, and then when, when the drives mattered, especially late in that game, he delivered three touchdown passes. On that last drive, or second to last drive, eight, 10 plays, 88 yards. He was 5 of 5 on that drive for 67 yards and moved the chains a couple times as well in critical play. Garrick Roshek made a key reception. You saw also Jake Ferguson get down to the 17. Uh, you know, Kendrick Pryor had a huge 28-yard reception as well that moved the chains and helped Wisconsin continue on that drive to take the lead and ultimately win the game. Talked about Ingold before, another positive on that. 33-yard reception plus a 33-yard touchdown run. Uh, you can't, uh, I mean, Bucky's fifth quarter loves the fullbacks. Uh, this is the way it's been. Austin Ramish last year did a number on Jake Gervais, the Iowa safety uh, a couple times in some packages near the goal line. Uh, we, we highlighted that last year in Ingold this year. Uh, you know, obviously can block, but you've seen what he can do in the passing game off that play action, 33 yards. And then, you know, back in the first quarter, which capped off then Jake Ferguson's first career touchdown reception. And then all, obviously the 33-yard touchdown off that play, uh, off that reverse, and ultimately iced the game, put it away, Wisconsin. 28-17 victors there. But let's talk about Ferguson, too, right? Uh, led the team with four receptions. You know, and, and this is a, a redshirt freshman. You're seeing him a lot, used a lot out of the 11 personnel, like out of shotgun on third downs. Uh, we're going to go into more stats in just a little bit about Jake Ferguson, the obviously one of the grandsons of Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez. Uh, the other, of course, Joe, who graduated but played safety last year and tied for the team lead in interceptions as well so uh, but Jake Ferguson big time receptions a touchdown and then on top of that uh, just making four catches three of them were for first downs and I believe if I'm not mistaken two of them were actually on third down conversion so uh, we'll get into more stats from uh, Ferguson and in his four games as a collegiate player in just a little bit there also a good note after struggling on third down against BYU for a 13 Wisconsin rebounded 7 of 14 on third down conversions, 50%. That's what you want to see. Uh, for the season, they're right at 49%. And, I mean, that's the key for this offense and being consistent moving those chains is just, I mean, you have to, when it's third and manageable or, or even not manageable, they've had a chance for the most part outside of the BYU game to continue to move the chains, get those first downs. Uh, without, with that, though, let's get to A.J. Taylor's interview and he obviously he was on the receiving end of the big touchdown 
from Alex touchdown pass from Alex Hornibrook, 17 yards. You'll hear from him about the chemistry between the two players, but then also uh, they they play with uh, just his thoughts going through his head. He made an adjustment, which is really interesting. I think you guys will enjoy the audio there. Uh, and also, there's a Bucky's fifth quarter ar- article talking about that drive and also his, you know, what went through that reception there. But without further ado, here's A.J. Taylor, post game. You're listening to it here on Bucky's fifth podcast. I should have like went outside the backer, but I kind of just relied on my instincts and I decided to cut inside and just straighten it up. And when I did it, um, Alex read me very well, I guess, and he threw it in there and um, we made it work. How did Alex, like, how did Alex know you were going to do that? Or did you well, just, see, I don't think he did. I think he just reacted. I think we both did a little bit of just playing off our instincts. And uh, it, it, like I said, it worked out very well for us. Is that, um, is that the kind of just connection you guys have kind of built for the offseason and then you can react to something you do like that? I mean, yeah, we definitely, we work a lot. We work that a lot. Um, but I don't know if that was something that could necessarily be uh, just practice and practice and practice. I think that's just chemistry between us. He knew that I was, I was going to be there and I was there and he threw it. Do you feel like that was a big risk you took by doing that? Or did you think no. like now you were... I wasn't even thinking, to be honest with you. I'm telling you, I really just, it was all instincts. I just decided to go. Yeah. And uh, what was kind of your reaction when you when you caught the ball? <laughs> Make sure it was in my hands first. Uh, no, I was... Really, it was more of I was excited, but I really wanted to. I didn't want to do anything stupid because in my mind, I wanted to kick the ball. I wanted to throw it. And, but I just made sure that, like, I was trying to keep my composure, really. So uh, that was really my biggest reaction. What do you think of Alex's performance today? I think he had a great performance. Like I keep telling everybody, he, he's got such great poise. And when, when things, like, are tough and all that, he just keeps a calm head and he just plays football. And it keeps all of us just playing football. That kind of the thing about him is he's just kind of this even kill guy. And he yeah. had a lot of criticism after the BYU game. And yeah. It just seems like that doesn't really matter. He is. It doesn't affect him at all. He just plays He just plays football. And when I think I think that kind of drives us because when we see him playing football, no matter what, no matter what the adversity we, uh, we encounter, it just makes us just play football. And that's, at the end of the day, that's, that's all we can do. It kind of allows the offense to just not panic. Yeah, not panic and just play. Yep. That, the touchdown pass, the catch that you had, were you the primer in that? Can you describe that play for us? Um, I believe I was the first read. Yeah. But like I said, uh, I decided, usually I think I was supposed to go outside of him and mm-hmm. then cu- uh, cut it. Mm-hmm. But I decided to cut it early and I uh, just straightened yeah. it up. And uh, Alex read me right and maybe right. <laughs> And that was A.J. Taylor, Wisconsin wide receiver. Leads the team in receptions. We'll talk more about him looking back on the first four games of the season here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jay Kokorowski again live from Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue here on the north side. A stone's throw from Warner Park here on the north side of Madison. And looking at the good, again, we talked about the offense. Defense-wise, we'll get into the bad in just a second. But obviously, there's a goal line stand from the five on the first Iowa drive. Great push up front, negated the Nate Stanley quarterback sneak. And then, uh, you know, you saw also the big-time interception by T.J. Edwards that led to the Alec Ingold field goal. You can also throw in Ryan Connolly's uh, tackle for loss deep in Wisconsin territory, too, that 
thwarted any type of touchdown opportunity, uh, led to a field goal for Iowa. So uh, big time plays by by some seniors there, and then uh, you know, but it was a rough game too for the defense and another facet of the defense that a little different from what it was last week against BYU. They allowed 404 yards to the Hawkeyes compared to 311 against BYU, but 256 of those yards were through the air. And then the big, really the big detractors there, the the big influences uh, for that came from tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Looking at T.J. Hawkinson, only three receptions, but 125 yards. They utilized him well, and we had an article up on Bucky's fifth quarter talking about just the players respecting and preparing for uh, what those player, what those two tight ends for Iowa that could bring, could bring. And Noah Fant, the preseason All-American, John Mackey, Walter Camp, watch list. Uh, nominee, two touchdown receptions, and then uh, on top of that too, I mean, Nate Stanley had a, a pretty solid game, but at, Iowa averaged 7.5 yards per play, uh, which is a lot, obviously. 18.3 yards per completion. And uh, you looked at the secondary there on, on one of the 40, what, 45, 46-yard receptions from Hawkinson. Fayon Hicks, the young redshirt freshman cornerback, uh, you know, didn't get that jump ball. It was a third and one uh, where you really pro- probably should have gotten that. Uh, and so, yeah, there's some growing pains there. Uh, you know, Deron Harrell started his first game. There were two pass interference calls on Wisconsin in, in the game. A third if, uh, you know, the one against Hicks on the Hawkinson catch was, uh, you know, that was, uh, didn't, you know, Iowa didn't accept that penalty, obviously. So, it Really, this, you know, it's a young secondary still. It was a reminder, right? Scott Nelson, a redshirt freshman safety, still young. Uh, you know, he's, he's made, he missed a few tackles here and there. But, you know, he's been solid mostly in coverage. Uh, but the two cornerbacks were kind of susceptible. Um, with Deron Harrell early on, you had Fan Hicks, like I mentioned, also working through uh, a little bit of struggles. Got some uh, a nice message on Twitter from Marcus Cromarty uh, saying basically some words of encouragement there. Uh, and, you know, you saw Caesar Williams kind of replace him, at, you know, uh, for a time uh, during the game as well. So, you know, it, it's still, like I said, it's this team's still young. They're replacing seven starters from a year ago. And that includes two cornerbacks and Nick Nelson and uh, also – Derek Tindall and Nick Nelson's all in the NFL with the Oakland Raiders. But, you know, safety-wise, uh, Joe Ferguson and Natrell Jamerson were two key players at that safety position too. So it's still, you know, you have that. And then uh, this leads me into the next thing with the front seven. No, no sacks against Iowa, more in a pro-style look. Even with Andrew Van Ginkle playing, uh, Van Ginkle came back from a, from a right leg injury and maybe wasn't, he wasn't 100%. But he made out there what looked like mostly some sub packages packages that were used on third downs. Uh, From what I saw, I still got to look at the film. But really, you know, they didn't. They generated some pressure here and there, uh, but didn't get get home to the quarterback. Zero sacks. They only have three through the first part of the season. We'll get into that going uh, in this later on talking about the year in review through four games here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Despite all the good for the offense in that final two drives, uh, prior to those two drives, only points scored you know points on two of the nine previous drives, 
Uh, they did capitalize, uh, obviously, on a turnover. And, and I mean, that's going to lead into that. The, the good, ending on a good note here, uh, special teams, that punt coverage unit for Wisconsin caused two fumbles. Both were recovered by Wisconsin. And one led to that Danny Davis 12-yard touchdown three plays later. Uh, once, uh, you know, in credit to that offense, uh, it, from everyone from long snapper Adam Bay to those that, that, that you know, Travion Blaylock, the true freshman that covered it up. Uh, solid play there. And that gave the Badgers life, gave them that 14-10 to 10 lead uh, in the second half. So, uh, and, you know, so that's, those are positives there. More good vibes. Here's Alex Hornibrook, redshirt junior quarterback, talking about that game-winning drive. What did you see on the Taylor touchdown pass? How did that one unfold? We had four vertical routes. Um, I was just kind of looking at the safety to hold him, and then AJ had a one-on-one, so I think he made his guy fall over, actually, so it was a pretty easy read for me, um, and he made a great catch. Are you pretty confident going into that drive? I mean, you had, I think, 88 yards to go. Mm-hmm. What was that's that's what we play for really that's the those are the moments rivalry game you're down um you got a couple minutes left we're excited we couldn't wait to get that drive going um jason did you feel like uh, you guys had been stopped a couple times before that drive uh what kind of gave you guys a like you said it's a big moment but what kind of gave you the confidence to know like okay we can this time we're gonna get through yeah um yeah when that happens and you get stopped a couple times I think one thing, these guys just persevere. Um, there's a lot of perseverance in that huddle, and when we face adversity, we're not getting those first downs. We always have confidence that the next one we're going to get it. What's it like lining up with that jumbo pack? It was seven O-linemen in front. How yeah. did you think that worked in there? That one's fun. The, old, the O-line loves that one. Um, I think a lot of the guys do because they know we're about to pound the ball, and um, they all did a great job tonight. I'm really proud of them. Alex, I know everyone focuses on JT for the running game, but Deal and Groshek and even Ingold giving you yeah, they're all competitors. Deal did a great job of fighting for some extra yards. He's a big, strong guy. Um, and, and Garrett, he's always in there uh, making big plays when it matters. That's one thing he does well. Um, he had a catch today. Some of those quick ones, he, he just snagged out of nowhere. Um, and he's got some really good hands that helps us out. And, um, you know, in gold, whenever we need something, he's always that guy as well. What's your demeanor going in, driving 88 yards, just under six minutes left? What goes, what's going through your head? What are you telling the guys in the huddle as you start that series? Uh, they knew we could uh, do it. Um, it's different, but we practice that stuff a lot. So um, we had confidence that we could do it, and we just had to get the drive going. Alex, a lot of, uh, a lot of your teammates say that your um, sort of calm demeanor, your even-keeled nature sort of like, I guess, Kind of, it's kind of contagious in the offense, and, and, and so the offense never really panics no matter what situation you guys are in. Do you feel like that's kind of an asset of yours that is that sort of this even kill demeanor always? Um, I guess so. If the other guys said they liked it, but uh, I think a lot of the guys, um, Dieter's one of them, um, the receivers, AJ, um, JT, none of them panic. They always have trust in themselves and the guys, the guys around them, so um, I think that's big for us. And that was Alex Hornibrook again talking after Wisconsin's 28-17 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road inside Kinnick Stadium on Saturday night. And this is Jay Kokorowski again here at Beer Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue on the north side of Madison. Again, just literally a block away from Warner Park. Always great. Uh, Brian and Amanda Caravu, always great. Uh, they, 
always appreciate you guys having us here every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. And of course, we are the appetizers of the main dish on Railbird Central coming up at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time every Tuesday uh, throughout the football season. And we'll be here at Beer Rock. They'll be here at Beer Rock. It's great. It's the mega powers of Wisconsin podcasting coming together, in my opinion. Of course, I may be biased. But looking ahead, uh, actually, let's take a look back. There's a bye week. I can't look ahead. Nebraska uh, comes up on October 6th. Uh, At Bucky's with Quarter Roman, have some good recruiting news coming up. You, You saw some discussions uh we posted an article 2019 linebacker jared casey was offered last friday has offers from oregon he was actually in eugene this past weekend for an official visit he according to 24 7 sports and rivals will be taking his official visit to wisconsin that weekend of the nebraska game Uh, also has offers from louisville he's from louisville kentucky he's a high three-star kid according to 24 7 sports also is a four-star kid uh, and i believe it's the number 16 inside linebacker in the country according to rivals but also this you know for we recap the two you saw two wisconsin targets not choose wisconsin that was Three-star Springfield, Ohio defensive lineman Isaiah Gibson. He verbally committed to Kentucky. And Josiah Miaman, the tight end, actually appeared, looked like he was in Iowa City for the Iowa-Wisconsin game this past weekend. He committed to the Hawkeyes on Sunday. Uh, but hopefully, I'm hoping to get to a game this... Uh, it's going to get cooler. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this weather, but I'm from Florida, so that's just me. But Keanu Benton, the three-star defensive lineman out of Janesville Craig they take on Middleton here on the west side of Dane County and Madison this Friday night I'll be down there hopefully and we'll talk and we'll break down uh, hopefully get a chance to uh, work and see him uh, play in person for the first time we did that with Julius Davis the running back high three-star kid out of Miami Falls at you know back in August hoping to go out and take a look at what the defensive lineman brings to Janesville Craig. So, uh, but that's looking ahead a little bit. Let's look back through the first four games. Obviously, three and one, you don't want that loss. And then, I mean, obviously that loss to BYU at home really stings. They're back up to number 15 in the country uh, in the AP poll, number 13 in the coaches. And this team really, it, it's it's rough. It's rough, obviously, because there's no more margin of error. They need help now more than ever. They, they could have afforded a loss in Big Ten play if they beat the Cougars at home. But there is no margin for error. And obviously fans are rooting for BYU to continue on. And they got a big matchup against Washington this weekend, which might very well be winnable uh, based on how BYU is playing. But So there's a huge loss there. That's a huge stain on their record. But they need to win out, and that includes going to Michigan coming up and then that's three weeks about two and a half three weeks from now and then Penn State in early November so really just looking at let's look at the positive we'll start off with the positives first uh, Horn, Alex Hornibrook the touchdown to interception ratio is solid three to one six touchdowns to two interceptions so far through two thousand you know four games of the 2018 season we'll see uh, how he reacts against a Nebraska, and especially a Michigan defense coming up in the next two games. Uh, and 
the key with this offense, and, and we're going to have an article come up in the next couple of days highlighting who st- stood out on offense and who stood out on defense. Really, the positives there for the offense with Alex Honeybrook, he's completing 66% of his passes, 800 yards, averaging 200 a game, six touchdowns, only two interceptions. If he cuts down those takeaways and those bad errors that you saw last year with the 15 interceptions, Wisconsin really has an opportunity to be more efficient on offense. We'll get into the efficiency of the offense coming up, but um, Jonathan Taylor, uh, despite not having any explosive runs, really the past couple of games against BYU and Iowa, I think his longest runs were 15 and 17 yards respectively. Uh, he's, he's gained over 100 yards in all four games, and he's second in the nation in rushing. And you saw what he could do. He had a career high, 253 yards against New Mexico. There have been some games where you just feel like something's building to, to, that he could break off a run. It has not been the case in the past two games, but we'll see what they can do against a Nebraska defense that gave up, what, 56 to, to Michigan just a few days ago. Uh, back to Jake Ferguson. Uh, the passing game, you know, obviously a redshirt freshman, but he was a co-offensive, or not co, he was an offensive Scout team player of the year last year. He's added on weight, and he's been used, utilized in the passing game really well. I, I still think maybe I would say maybe needs to work on his – maybe the blocking will still come along, and, and he's plenty physical, I think, but he'll get that down by the time he finishes his career here in Madison. But uh, receiving right now, you can tell that that's his strength. Second on the team in receptions with 12. Ten of those 12, which is a crazy stat, have gone for first downs. And six of those 12 have come on third downs. So he is the target for Alex Hornibrook in that critical down to move the chains. And he's delivered for the most part outside of that one drop he had uh, late in the game against Iowa. He made up for it uh, with that 17-yard reception on that go-ahead scoring drive uh, late in the fourth quarter. But he's been a big, obviously it's been huge for him. Uh, and, all, and he recorded his first career touchdown reception. Uh, in the first quarter against Iowa. A.J. T- uh, Taylor leads the team in receptions with 19. He's averaging all, or, no, he's 15, I'm sorry. He's averaging almost 20 yards per reception uh, and almost has 300 yards receiving on those 15 uh, receptions there. Defensively, I know it's been, I, I feel like there's a little bit of recency bias and it's hard to pick out just with this defense that's given up so much in the past couple of games, but uh, Scott Nelson, I still think, is a huge name to think about. 20 tackles, which is third on the team. Two and a half tackles for loss. If he doesn't have those missed tackles, which we'll get into later, I think he's got a couple more, or at least one more, I believe. Four pass breakups already and, a, and an interception to his name. Uh, the other safety partner, Dakota Dixon, leads the team in tackles with 24. Ryan Conley's got 22 tackles, and I believe, I'm not mistaken, three and a half Four and a half tackles for loss, which actually leads the team, the redshirt senior. I know maybe that's the rough game against BYU, but uh, came back. He had a big game against uh, Iowa, and he actually, his dad actually went to Iowa. So being having that familiarity in Iowa City in a black and gold environment uh, that they had uh, was big for the redshirt senior from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Uh, but you know, going back. You know, those are some of the positives that I took from. And I mean, you'll, I mean there's also, let's, let's, you know, let me just say too, Taiwan Deal. Uh, you'll see some of these names that that'll pop up on our article coming out tomorrow, hopefully, which is Wednesday. Uh, 
Taiwan deal's been big. He's only got 167 yards rushing, but he's averaged almost seven yards a carry, and he's been a great compliment to Jonathan Taylor, and they trust him. And he's a redshirt senior, so they should trust him, but he's making some big plays there. You also have guys like, you know, I don't won't mention him in this article coming up, but Logan Brusk, who with Xander Neville injured for a good portion of the first third of the season has stepped in as the pseudo tight end. He's the jumbo tight end now. He's wore number 85. He's gone back to number 60. He wore number 89 on Saturday night. Uh, so did Jason Urban wore number 96. I thought I was seeing Bo Allen flashbacks for a second. But, you know, they, both of those guys played, you know, very well, uh, I, I thought, against Iowa in those jumbo packages. But Bruss in particular has gotten an opportunity to shine uh, as a, and being used a different way. Uh, and we'll see if David Edwards, the right tackle currently, who's a redshirt junior, uh, if he'll actually declare uh, after this season or not. Uh, which, I mean, there's a lot of aspirations there, potentially uh, for the you know, former prep quarterback and Edwards, and, and Bruss could be the key replacement there. But uh, just looking at... You know, uh, there'll be more to check out Bucky's fifth quarter, obviously, for those two articles forthcoming. Uh, but let's get into some of the negatives, right? Uh, there's uh, obviously there's the big loss, uh, but looking at some of the factors for things, uh, why you know this offense, in my opinion, has been inconsistent. They put up 32 points per game. You know, they're averaging, you know, they're among the top 15 in rushing in the nation right now in the FBS, but. You know, on third down against BYU, you know, this times have come up where they haven't been consistent. Four of 13 on third downs against the Cougars, which, you know, that's why they couldn't get the, you know, that's why they only scored 21 points. Um, it just it feels like the group hasn't hit its stride. Maybe the explosive, maybe those chunk plays haven't come up a lot uh, as, as often from like the key players like a Jonathan Taylor or, or Danny Davis through the, for these past two games. However, you've seen other guys like Alec Ingold step up with big plays. Uh, you've seen Kendrick Pryor come up with catches, uh, among others. So, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see. Like, if this group can get its get running and, and if Xander Neville can return, I think that's a big gain for the, the rushing attack there. And this bye week, I think, comes at a great time where he can rest up. Same thing with Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, that they can hit the, these last two, you know, these last eight game regular season games uh, and go from there. But I just don't feel like the offense has hit its stride yet. And we'll see what they can do coming up against Nebraska on October 6th. Uh, more uh, for, for the defense-wise, uh, chunk plays in the past, given up the past two weeks. BYU had six runs of 10-plus yards, and that included two 40-yard rushes. We mentioned it last week from Squally Canada, and uncharacteristic for this team, right, this is, or for this defense, this unit that's been really stout against the run the past two seasons. Uh, against Iowa, uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, uh, just the amount, just how Iowa utilized those tight ends, and they knew how good they were going in. And Hawkinson got the best of them with that 125 yards receiving and those two big 40-plus yard receptions that really uh, hurt Wisconsin's de defensively there. Uh, but also, like, the rushing attack, too. Iowa gained 145 yards, and if I'm not mistaken, BYU had over 192. So, uh, like I said, like, this, this unit... Despite looking good the first couple of games, you know, is there a regression in the mean? We'll see from Jim Leonard's unit, but it's a reminder that a lot of talent left last season, and it's a you want to reload, you want to, you know, instead of a rebuild, but, you know, they're still working through defensive linemen that are redshirt freshmen or, red, you know, in terms of 
You've had Matt Henning sitting and Caden Lyles, and Lyles, for that matter, converted from an offensive lineman last year. And so you have that. Matt Henning said, who's a former walk-on who's emerged uh, with Garrett Rand injured. If Garrett Rand's in the game, maybe it's a different story against BYU. Uh, but last year with Alec James, Connor Sheehy, and Chikwe Obashi, uh, those three at defensive line, along with Olive Sangapolu in the middle, that nose tackle, really opened up holes and gaps. And, and I think they're a really underappreciated group. And so it's a still a young group. Uh, and going back to some of the negatives, like Wisconsin only has three sacks on the season. And, and it's the pass rush. I mean, some of the offenses that has not been conducive to having a great pass rush and getting to the quarterback. But against Iowa, uh, they didn't get home to the quarter, get home to Nate Stanley, Stanley for a sack. So, really, there's a, it's interesting, right? And and we'll go from there uh, to see how they, uh, Jim Leonard's unit responds against Nebraska and Adrian Martinez, uh, the quarterback there for Nebraska. Um, yeah, secondary is still young. We I called that out earlier. So we'll see how that group, led by Dakota Dixon, returns. Right now, though, let's uh, let's talk some more positives, though. Let's talk about Alec Ingold. Let's hear from Alec Ingold after the big win, talking about his fullback reverse, talking about uh, just the receptions, the jumbo package. Uh, maybe that was another positive, too, from, from the Iowa game that I forgot to mention, too. The jumbo package really did a great job, and they devised well uh, against Iowa until Iowa started figuring out. But here is uh, Alec Ingold on Bucky's uh, – here on audio, here on Bucky's fifth podcast. You know, I think it's it's always a senior thing. So seniors are always over there grabbing the trophy first, and um, you know had to had to play at the end there where you know we really capped it off. So got it off to the linemen as fast as I could because they were they were working it. But you know everyone got their share. I think it was good. What was, what was the difference between in that fourth quarter for the offense and defense to erase the deficit? Um, you know, I think. When we're when we're on the road, we know that we got each other's back, and we got to play for each other. So, you know, when the defense makes a gritty sc- gritty stop, in, you know, on midfield, we really got to step up as an offense and play off of that. So, you know, we didn't take advantage of that. Like I said, sec- second to last drive, and we had great field position, but you know, we, we stepped it up and won it at the end. So, what was the play you wound up scoring on? It was just a little reverse, you know, a little pitch to JT reverse. So, was it design score or just run out the clock? Uh, you know, I probably could have could have laid down after the first down, but I saw a lot of grass, so I just kept going. To play a final five minutes like that, win a game like this, what, what can it do for you guys momentum-wise with the season and into the bye week? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it just goes to prove that, you know, our offense is something that we can step in and feed off of each other. You know, we it was a hostile environment. There's no no fans to feed off of nothing. It was just us. And it was, you know, all we got is all we need. So that's what we said all week. And uh, you know, that's what happened. You guys are so confident despite the loss to BYU. And yeah. What, what do you think tonight showed about what this team is capable of? I mean, I think, you know, when you when you lose like that last week, yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, but there's a lot of self-reflection. There's a lot of guys on the team where, you know, if you if you're dead weight, you can get off the ship. But we're gonna keep moving forward. And you know, I think you sh- saw that today. Um, you know, going to hostile environment, we, you know, everyone that came here had a role, and everyone that was a part of this team believed that we were always gonna win. So you know, that's what happened at the end there. Uh, well, I mean, adrenaline is running. Um, that's pretty cool. It's a lifelong dream, you know, so um, it, it's pretty fun. I don't know if you remember the call after the loss to BYU was talking about that the special teams didn't provide a spark if the, if right. the defense didn't stop. Yeah. It's almost the opposite this week. Yep. What, is, what does that show you guys about? 
Um, you know, week by week, we just got to take advantage, and you never know when those are going to pop up, whether it's uh, on defense, offense, or special teams. You got to be ready for those, um, you know, those opportunities. So when a guy's, you know, right by a ball, you got to recognize it and you got to act as soon as possible. What did you think of that jumbo package, that, that 7-0 lineman there? That you know, it's, it's fun when they put it in because, you know, we speak into existence. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, you know, big guys just love to get on the field, and you love to see those guys, um, you know, because they, they put in all this work and they get all these reps, and then you got the All-Americans up front, you know, they, they got a chance to really prove that they, they can do their thing too, so it's pretty cool. When you say speak it into existence, were players coming coaches and put us <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it's just like uh, there's a lot of weight on the field. Um, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, itching to get in, and when you see a guy, you know, in practice, you know, when it's a physical week like Iowa and everyone's going at it, good versus good, you know, 101 versus 1D, uh, you, you see guys step up, and then you know they, they make it on the field during game day. You mentioned how physical a game it was. Neville and Ben Ginkle were not 100%. Right. Mentally, how much of a lift does that provide their teammates? And you see at least out there trying to give you something. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, with this team, you know, t coming off a loss as well. Um, you know, everyone on this field today, you know, really proved that we're gritty and we want to write our own story. And um, you know, it's a a game of resilience, and I think we set the tone. Those guys set the tone for us. You know, there's a bye week next week, so, um, you know, there's a lot of guys ready to, you know, just give it their all because there's no next week. Uh, that was the mindset. Good story do you want to write? You know, resilient, tough, smart, tough, dependable. Um, you know, keep, keep the mindset of what the seniors have laid before us, but also put our own little, you know, end notes on it. What are your thoughts on Nob's Cornelius' performance today? competitor I mean that kid competes uh, he's he's never one to take second place and you know he's he's leading this team and he's under center all the time and I think it's it's pretty special to see him you know out there and just be so composed the whole time did he say anything in the huddle when he started that 88 year drive is did he have any kind of no, I mean, it's the same thing, every, same message every time, which is pretty cool. You know, we're going to take over. Okay, let's go. Um, you know, that's, that's what he is. First drive, second drive, last drive. So that's the leader he is. What's it mean to walk off with the trophy one last time? It's special knowing that, you know, you're going to leave it in there when you leave. Um, it's going to be there when you leave. I think that's pretty cool. You know, you want a full trophy case when you, when you walk out the door. So you know, this was step one. Do you think, I don't know if you pay attention at all, but, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin are the only two teams that have won the West. Right. The yeah. Point. Did you feel like you guys could win that and be in the driver's seat or whatever was ahead? I mean, yeah, I think this was a big game and this heavyweight battle. You knew it was going to be a fight all the way to the end. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we knew. If we're, if we're going to start something, it's got to start here. So I think that's kind of what we what we had to do. Does so the jumbo package have a name? Jumbo. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yep. No, 22 jumbo, 13 jumbo, whatever it is. The, uh, the long pass you had, I can't remember, maybe a second quarter, I can't remember, mm -hmm. but yep. um, it got you down inside the five. Did you kind of know that was going to be open based on what you guys had done to set that up? Or? Yeah. I mean, there's a few plays this week um, that you know you could take advantage of as an offense, and that was one of them. So... When it got called, you know, we're coming out of, I think it was the first play, second quarter. You just had to, uh, you just had to really make sure your assignment sound and do everything and execute because you knew it was going to be a big hit if everyone was on spot. Had you, had you guys run that same, same play in previous seasons? Yeah, I mean, we, we run it a bunch out of, you know, different formations. So, you know, it's, it's one of those that you can kind of just twist a little bit every week. Twitter says it needs a name. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Ingle special. Yeah, let's call it the Ingle special, I guess. <laughs> We are going to wrap it up here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Big thanks again to Beer Rock. Everyone give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, th 
2911 North Sherman Avenue here on the north side of Madison. Again, if you guys know where Warner Park is and the Madison Mallards play literally a block away. We'll be here every Tuesday, 7 p.m. We are the lead-in show for Railbird Central, Cheesehead TV, our good friends there. That comes on just about 18 minutes from uh, this live show, uh, but you guys will hear it on this podcast, so make sure you guys check the recap on Cheesehead TV, Railbird Central for those whose Venn diagram of being a Wisconsin Badger and a Green Bay Packer fan uh, mold together nicely. So uh, obviously follow us on face or follow us on Twitter, on Instagram at B5Q for Twitter. For me at Jcoco B5Q. Like us on Facebook for this podcast. Listen on SoundCloud. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app. With us, you know, with subscribe to on iTunes or Google Play, it's free. You don't have to worry about any subscriptions. It's free for your, you know, for your listening pleasure. And next week we'll come back here at Beer Rock. We'll get hopefully get a guest on previewing Nebraska. It's going to be a big game, talking about the Big Ten Conference as a whole. Ohio State, Penn State play this weekend. It's going to be a huge matchup, and the Buckeyes are without Nick Bosa. Uh, for the game. So uh, for everyone here at Beer Rock, this is again Jay Kokorowski. Thanks for tuning in uh, for Bucky's Fifth po- Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Be well, do good.